Okay, so um, we are here with uh, Dr. Britt Brogard, who is a, a professor of philosophy at uh, the University of Miami. Um, she studies uh, the philosophy of emotion and language and perception. Um, she is the author of four books, uh, which is amazing, by the way. So uh, I'm really excited to be here with you today. What happens in our brains when we feel love? So most of the, the status that have been sort of looked at have been uh, the status we call um, feeling or being in love. So that was, is that sort of the honeymoon stage of love. And during that stage, um, we see sort of a, a chemical profile that's similar to, um, to certain, certain anxiety disorders in addiction you will have, of course, high dopamine if you get the drug and low dopamine, which still motivates you to, to seek out the drug, right? So that's a similar um, dopamine profile in the brain where you uh, seek out the other person or want to be together with the other person. So most people, if they're in a relationship with another person, go through a honeymoon phase, then a struggle phase, uh, then a phase where you sort of come back together again and at that, at that stage you can feel in love again and we would expect maybe maybe slightly milder um, fluctuations in, in serotonin so you wouldn't have as low serotonin or, and you wouldn't have as much sort of seeking behavior in terms of so the dopamine wouldn't be as extreme. And so we have one stage that's um, after the honeymoon phase where you sort of, uh, the, the struggle, the real life struggle begin, or the power struggle perhaps uh, begins and where this, we would expect to, to see some, some more anger. The other stages from there, if it moves to the other stages, is sort of um, a commitment stage. Perhaps uh, you, you will reach a stage where you co-create and that could be uh, in sort of the most literal sense that you get married, have children, or it could be that you run a company together or you have some projects together. So I'm curious about this struggle phase. So you, I mean, right after you kind of are addicted to, to this person and you get that high um, and you want to kind of keep getting that high, that struggle phase, what, what exactly is that? When you're in the honeymoon phase, there's a tendency to, for, for your perception of the other person to be um, abnormal. And so you idealize the other person to some extent. Um, things that would bother you in other people will not bother you. So you, that's sort of overruled. It can even be seen as, as a good thing. In the struggle phase, you, you try to overcome uh, the... the, the the, the obstacles that you're facing. And a lot of people try to overcome them in the wrong way. So you will have people who try to seek a commitment at that stage. I mean, it's always the wrong stage to do it. So when people do make a commitment to each other and they do it during the struggle phase, that's um, one of the main reasons that a lot of relationships and marriages don't last because that's not when you should be making that commitment. Uh, even worse, right? Some people might try to have a child together because they think that it will help 
uh, with the with the problems that they're having. So when you when when people find themselves in having say for example gotten married and having had children and they are still having problems it's not like new problems it's the same problems right they, they never stopped <clears throat> they didn't they didn't actually make it to the commitment phase right they they just made the commitment in the wrong phase uh and and therefore they they are not they haven't actually solved the real problems um they're in the relationship maybe you want children and your partner does not maybe you meet as as students and and uh, you never either you never talk about where you really want to live when you're actually done and you're seeking going out to seek a job maybe you really want to live in very different cities even very different countries so there are lots of core values that that are not coming up during the honeymoon phase and they can't come come up because if you bring them up you're gonna undermine the importance of them they're not going to seem important. The struggle phase is like when, when you start, when that lifts, right? So suddenly either you discover those core values that, that they come into conflict or, or you knew it all along, but now suddenly they don't seem as simple. It doesn't seem as simple anymore. And you seem that the differences between you seem to be, they become a problem. It can be worse, of course, right? You might discover that that nice person uh, during the honeymoon phase uh, now is like actually verbally a verbal abuser is verbally abusing you or emotionally abusing you in that case of course there's no way well no realistic way that you can really um solve that problem because you would have to solve it by changing that other person and that's usually not realistic so you would advise um kind of making a commitment after you've resolved these issues yeah so so that's what that's what the that uh, there's other research that shows that that's uh, when relationships tend to last longer is that when when you have resolved uh those issues um and in 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 rare cases you might just have run into someone who is just very similar to you the problem is that very often it's not just um, uh, a, you know, a cliche to say that opposites attract. It's sometimes true that you get more attracted because there's more tension, but that's also what gives rise to problems. There are cases of arranged marriages or arranged, uh, yeah, so usually arranged marriages, where because the people in the arranged marriages know that given their culture, they don't have an, a, a choice, they sort of allow themselves perhaps to love the person so they never go through a honeymoon stage but they might in some cases many cases not our ancestors would of course have children during that phase because they didn't have the option of not having that and then um they would have a greater uh, chance of surviving because they would stay together at least a couple of years enough that the children would be a little bit older, right? And and so even if they split up at that point, it would be easier for them to survive, and so more of them would survive. And so they would have the same genes that would give rise to that uh, crazy cocktail uh, of brain chemicals uh, and, and so on. So that's an evolutionary thing, but that doesn't make it something we necessarily want. I wouldn't say it's bad to avoid the honeymoon phase. It's actually great if you could. 
Okay, so, so I guess one of the questions I had was um, if you can get that high, you know, of, of honeymoon love in other ways. Is there any other circumstance that you could feel that? Yeah. Um, it's, it tends to, to um, be the case when one person loses interest in the other later on in the relationship. Um, so if you are still very much interested in continuing the relationship with the other person, you love the person, um, but they are losing interest, they maybe they're gaining interest in someone else, um, maybe, um, maybe they're having an affair. Um, that, those would be examples where the person who is, who is um, sort of paradoxically, but the person who is cheated on uh, might feel the same sort of, uh, well, feelings that, that they would feel during the honeymoon phase. Wow. And then, of course, there are ways that you can have intermittent feelings like that uh, so so by changing up the routine in different ways I think friends entering into a friendship uh, in some cases it can have something like that I mean is there any circumstance where you could kind of train yourself to not need people um, and and I guess what I mean by that is if you if you were never to get these um uh you know dopamine or serotonin through um you know platonic relationships or romantic ones um what happens to your brain and and, and is that okay it, yeah it's usually okay it depends on what kind of brain you have and uh, by that i also mean like what kind of personality you have so people people differ in how much excitement they naturally uh need to feel uh happy happy in um not just in in the joy sense right or excitement sense but to to flourish to um to experience well-being they some people need more excitement than others right so there are um there are also people who need other people more than others and and other and, and that's part of being um so if you need people um around you a lot that's one of the facets of being um, extroverted and if you need a lot of alone time that's one of the facets of being introverted um, and if you people differ in that way and it's very difficult to change your personality though it changes all the time but it usually changes so slowly that we don't really realize how much it changes until we suddenly think about oh how strange that 15 years ago, I really did this for this or this, or I like this or this or this, right? So, so, so we do change, but it's usually so slowly that we don't think that we're changing unless we sort of stop and think about it. Uh, and there are ways to try to change your personality. What are some ways that, that you might change your personality? Uh, so around 50% is, is genetic. When, um, or as a result of genes, and and then the other fifty percent, yeah, you can in principle change that, but uh, yeah. So so what 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 to do? Well, you have to first <clears throat> maybe start acting um, in accordance with that trait that you are trying to 
push, I mean, so let's say, let's do something simple. Um, or maybe that's not simple. Let's say you are uh, naturally, or not naturally, you grew up as to be a disagreeable person. You're not forced to act on your personality, right? You are just very tempted to do it. So, so by creating a new habits, um, so you'll probably fail most of the time, but maybe you'll become better and better at it. So you can start to try to act as an agreeable person. And then probably in the end, you will not end up being super agreeable, but maybe you will, you will end up falling in, in the middle because you can change those 50% again. Hmm. Um, but that also means that if you fall in the middle, then you're pretty normal healthy person because that's where actually where you do want to fall i think that the ancient philosophers uh i mean aristotle was right he thought that they were habits i mean he he wrote a lot about how you actually could cultivate what he, he called them virtues um and virtues for him were never being on the extreme of anything it was sort of always in the middle um so never being angry was not a virtue for him uh, for Aristotle, um, because sometimes you should be angry, yeah. and according to him, uh, and but always being angry about everything, right? That's was would be the other extreme, and so that's that would be not a virtue either. So if you think of it that way, yeah, you can you can create um, habits by cultivating it. Thank you so much.